Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to the Pull List. Happy Valentine's Day, Love everybody. is in the air. This is our special romance episode. We're oh, going to yeah. talk about comics. Uh, as <laughs> What's we, more romantic than that? Yeah, right? Uh, we're going to talk about all the new comics that are out this week on sale, February 14th, 2018. We got a butt ton we of them. butt ton. So I'm going to dive right into it. First up, we've got Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 42. Two. If you don't know what an annual is, real quick, an annual is a book that comes out once a year, sort of bigger than your traditional issue of the comic book series, so larger than a regular issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And uh, these tell tales that sometimes they tie to other things, sometimes they're just one-offs. Usually they include a couple of different stories. I'm a big fan of annuals because I grew up reading them and, and they were always like a big deal. So this one does have that feel of the annuals of your. The first one is called Bury the Leads which works on a number of levels here. <laughs> I really, really dig it. It's written by Dan Slott, art by Corey Smith, inks and finishes by Terry Pallett, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Joe Caramagna. It's got the enforcers in it. I love the enforcers. They got these like new looks, kind of hip. Yeah. Uh, but the enforcers are back from the dead slash clones, I guess. But whatever, I'm happy. You've got Ox, who's the big dude. Montana is a dude that uses a whip real good and has a cool hat and great facial hair. But Fancy Dan is my man. He's a kick-ass fighter <laughs> and a crack shot. I mean, he definitely gets his ass kicked all the time, mm-hmm. but he's awesome. And his name is Fancy Dan. How do you not love Fancy Dan? I'm uh, a Fancy Dan man. Yeah, exactly. This story is actually super cool because it's connected to the old Spider-Man versus Wolverine. That was the story of the death of Ned Leeds. This also ties into a clone conspiracy. Both great stories. It's super fun. You could tell it's Dan Slott being like, well, I'm almost done with Spider-Man. I want to do something with Ned Leeds and all the classic things that I loved when I you know, was reading comics. So it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, you've got... Secret passages under New York City. You got the shadow arm of the Magia. The Magia being the um, organized crime family of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. We say Magia, not anything else. Their shadow arm is the Undermob, which is pretty neat. It's got a nice open ending to it. There's also a story in here written by David Hine, playwright of Come From Away. I don't know. So if, cool. You know, I don't know if everybody knows. I love Broadway. I love musicals like a ton. I haven't seen Come From Away yet, but I'm really excited to. Uh, I definitely want to. This story is called Spider Sense and Sensibility by David Hine with art by Marcus Toe, colors by Ian Herring. This is actually a really neat story that gives a good look at how Spider-Man's spider sense works, which is awesome. I don't think I've ever seen that described in this way and sort of given that much attention. So it was really neat. David, obviously a great writer and see him doing comics. Hopefully we get him to do more. And there's a one page little gag strip about the many costumes of Spider-Man written by Jeff Loveness, art by Gustavo Duarte. And uh, it's, it's cute. It's great. Moving from one Spider-Book to another, we have Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number 16. It's written by Jody Hauser with art by Nathan Stockman, colors by Ruth Redman. And this is the start of Fast Times at Midtown High. It is so fun because we obviously get Dad Pete, hashtag Dad Pete, uh, who has these these great dad sensibilities now, uh, now that we're seeing him in the future. Married to Mary Jane with their teenage daughter, Annie Mae. Uh, and this is so fun because we get a little bit of taste of all these characters in their various voices, but tied together as a family. In this issue, Pete does a kind of career day visit to Midtown High where Annie is a student. There's so many really fun 
parallels to kind of classic Peter Parker in high school that we see, but with this great kind of millennial 2018 edge to her. We get how she reacts to her dad being there, how Pete is kind of handling being the kind of annoying father at times. Nathan Stockman, my boy, he captures like teen angst so well, and it's so funny. Um, some stuff starts to go down in Midtown High. And, you know, it's dad and daughter up against it again. Yeah. It's such a perfect book for someone like you who someday may be a dad. You want to read it. You know, me, a lot older, a lot wiser. (laughs) I love it. A child, you give this to a kid and they're going to love it. Yeah. It's, It's perfect for all ages. All right. Next book is Avengers number 680. I love the beginning of this issue. It's Rogue dealing with what she thinks is the death of Johnny Storm and she is ready to avenge. It's written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Waite. Art by Kim Jacinto and colors by David Curiel with letters by Corey Petit. We also get some really neat hints in this issue about the bigger picture of what's going on from the Avengers point of view. Some thoughts about the elements that are popping up from the Avengers and some reasoning as to why the Avengers are getting frozen sort of coming into play. So again, it's like you just bite into an onion and the onion juice runs down your chin and it just feels so good. Delicious. Right. That's what this issue is. It's you're getting deep into that onion and all the different bits and pieces in here. I'm really keen to see what's up with Jarvis because even Nadia... Pym, the Wasp, and the Beast are having trouble figuring it all out. It's a really intense capper to the rogue stuff from the beginning of the issue at the end. She lets loose versus the Black Order, and there's just this moment of her standing there, and you're like, oh, dang. Somebody go get that butt kicked. (laughs) Oh, dang. Uh, More oh, dang comes in Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, number 14, written by Peter David, art by David Williams and Ray Anthony Height, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. One of the most fascinating elements of Ben Riley is his relationship with Kane. They're long past, they're really complicated past. This is part of Bad to the Bone. It's a one-off little story, and there's a great like hippo villain. Have we? Do we know him? Yeah, the hippo. It's just uh, the hippo. The hippo, classic. I'm glad you you didn't skate past it because yeah. I love the hippo. The hippo is. Just your standard run-of-the-mill zoo hippo. Yeah. The name of the hippo given by the zoo, I believe, was Mrs. Fluffy Lumpkins. <laughs> Mrs. Fluffy Lumpkins was juiced up by the high evolutionary right. and, of course, went into a life of crime. I love comics. <laughs> so the hippo, who's sporting uh, like a nice white T-shirt and some green pants. Classic hippo gear. That is classic hippo gear. Rampaging through town. And the Scarlet Spider is kind of up against it. But there's a lot of interesting stuff that comes in towards the end of the issue about the nature of the Scarlet Spider, about where the Scarlet Spider is going next, about Ben and Kane's relationship. It's really interesting, a little one-shot issue. If you're looking to dive in, if you love spider action, now's a perfect time. Heck yeah. Next is Cable number 154. This is the big end battle for Cable versus Gideon. It's written by Ed Brisson, art by John Mallon, colors by Jesus Arbutov with Federico Bli, and VCs Travis Lanham on letters. Gideon grows super huge in here, like giant size, and he's scary. This is so very 90s. I love it a ton. Big old battle, and who has to end the fight? Blank. Uh, We're going to see more Blink in the upcoming Exile series, but it's cool. This is just, it's a great end to this little series. I want to see more of Cable's team, but I don't think we'll see this crew anytime soon. What we'll see for Cable in the future, TBD. Ooh, TBD, ABCD. 
let's take A and C and flip them around. That's C A, and that's Captain America. Thank Did you, you just so do much. Beat poetry? <laughs> I believe. I so. think you just went into beat poetry. I'm wearing mode. a black turtleneck. Uh, this is Captain America number six ninety eight. And as we're nearing the landmark 700th issue, we're flashing back to where it all started with this really great storyline. This is Out of Time Part One. It's written by Mark Wade, art by Chris Somney. I love in the credits page, they just describe them both as storytellers. Well, Chris yeah. is one of the greatest comic yeah. book creators, storytellers, artists, whatever you want to call it, that we have right now. Yeah. Colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Joe Caramagna. This is such a cool twist on the classic out-of-time story with Cap. You'll recall that at the end of 697, Craven and Cap were in a fight. Cap ended up in the ocean. He ended up getting trapped in ice, like the classic Cap origin story. In this, instead of being in ice for decades, he's only in the ice for about eight years. And he wakes up, and it's the near future, but a lot of things have changed. Uh, there are animal people. There are animal like, people. The thing is, Cap comes out and he's like, oh, man, I must have been gone a long yeah, time. Yeah. Everything is crazy. <laughs> it's The vibe is very Jack Kirby yeah. in the future, post-apocalyptic, cool, weird world thing. And yeah, you obviously the, the world is completely different. It's eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start to unravel what that means and how so much could have happened in such a short period of time. Cap does some classic Cap action. There's some just incredible artwork in here from Somni. You should check out a great interview that we have on Marvel.com with Chris Somni about the art process that he dove into with this issue particularly. We talk about specific panels and specific pages and what he was thinking, what he was inspired by for this issue. The storytelling in the words and in the art is incredible in this book. So check that out. Also got to give a shout out to the uh, great new character name who shows up in here. King Maximilian Babington, a.k.a. King Baby. Oh, King Baby. Yeah. King Baby, very excited to see more of this character. And Matt Wilson's color palette is chef kissing fingers good across this issue. (laughs) It's so delightful. All right, up next is Despicable Deadpool number 294. This, if you are a listener of This Week in Marvel, will be one of the picks. It is from young Alex. He has chosen this as his book to expand upon a bit more later on this week. So I love it because the issue opens up with a musical number. If you remember, earlier in the show, I told you how much I love musicals. It's so fun to see a character that can match Deadpool's insanity in so many ways, and to see them clash and just go up against each other is just awesome. Indeed. Next up is Doctor Strange, number 385. It's written by Donny Cates, art by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jordi Belair. This is going to be my pick of the week. A lot of things happen with Loki Sorcerer Supreme. There's a lot of changes. A lot of things go down. It is so fun. We get the emotional gut punches that we've come to expect from this series. We'll talk about it a lot more, a lot, a lot, a lot more on This Week in Marvel. But I loved this issue so much. If you're loving this series... It's a must. Yeah. The first line of my notes is all caps. This book is the craziest. The last <laughs> line of my notes, holy crap, this book. And there's like four or five sentences in between that. Yeah. We'll yeah. get to that on This Week in Marvel. Up next is Falcon number five. And this was very nearly one of my picks. Again, I've picked this a, a couple of times before, I believe. Falcon is written by Rodney Barnes, art by Joshua Kassara, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Joe Caramagna. We get some really sweet feeling stuff between Sam and his crew it's more like Salmon's family. Like yeah. It's establishing that he's got this 
great group of people around him. The Joaquin and Sean dynamic is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should have a contest to give Joaquin a new name because he doesn't have one. He's And he talks about how Falcon did so much to earn his Falcon name. He wants it back. It's his name right. to have. It's right. really, there's just some great writing in this book. It's so fun. Great character dynamics. Big hero moments in here. We've got Hellstrom fighting his brother. Fighting fire with fire. Yes. Blackheart in here. You've got Dr. Voodoo being totally badass. You've got villains doing the heroic thing at times. It's just awesome. The last page is tremendous. Uh, There's also a beautiful splash page of Falcon fighting Blackheart. It's a dude with metal wings who can, you know, communicate with birds versus a literal demon from hell. Yeah. (laughs) And he still steps up. And throws down with him. It's so good. I love this title. I love this book. My favorite panel of the week comes from this issue. It's Dr. Voodoo to the character Dre. Voodoo says, just know there will be no absolution for you. And the Mm. next line is, may God have mercy on your soul. It's just such an awesome voodoo moment. He's so good in this book. Yeah. One of the great things about this book is kind of the emergence of Falcon as a leader, as a hero in his own right, with his own sensibilities, emerging from being there on every page with Cap to having his own story, his own series here. And the logical evolution of that is that he grows out his family. He has his own sidekicks. He has his own guys that help him along his way. And I just love it so I much. love that. I, yeah. I hadn't thought about it in that way. It's so good. Yeah. Very insightful young man. Oh, yes. Next up is Marvel 2 in 1. 2 plus 1 is 3. And this is issue number 3. <laughs> Thank you. Again, again, this weird sort of abstract poetry. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really neat. Uh, it's written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Joe Carmagna, and there's a great Where's Wolverine page brought to you by Carlos Pacheco and Rafael Fonteriz. This is a continuation of the incredible post-Fantastic Four story mm-hmm. uh, that has so much weight to it. I love at the beginning we see Ben in like incognito gear, which just means sunglasses and like a t-shirt. So his t-shirt is Unlimited Class Wrestling Federation, which is the wrestling federation that exists in the Marvel Universe that he has been a champion of. I want that t-shirt oh, so yeah. badly. Oh, yeah. I We need a licensee to make that shirt or just someone to make it for me so I can wear it. Who's going to help me with it? Uh, This issue is great because guess who shows up? None other than Hercules. It is such a cool addition to the dynamic between Ben and Johnny. It adds so much. It's so different than both of them. Both of them are so idiosyncratic. And then to add this other character who is as much, if not more, of that kind of strange, uniquely himself vibe is so much fun. A character comes back from issue number one and they kind of She's awesome. She's so I'm really excited to see more done with her. I'm so glad to see that she's back. And so they kind of go out on this adventure, the four of them together, and it's very interesting to see this group of four working as Doctor Doom kind of is, you know, working his machinations in the background. Uh, It's all about the dynamic in this book, and it just keeps ramping up. Yeah, obviously, listeners, you can't see it, but evil producer Brandon, and he doesn't have a microphone, so you can't hear him. He is doing that Hercules, Hercules, (laughs) Hercules. He's doing that because he really loves Hercules, as do I. Uh, We also get a great villain in here, Hydro Man, which I love Hydro Man. He's just such a weird Q-list villain, but he's, <laughs> he's got the powers of water and he gets told to leave. And so he has to go through the toilet and he's like, whatever, it's just water. <laughs> it's so good. There's also the mad thinker in here, which I, I'm excited for the potential that mm-hmm. Chip and company are putting around the mad thinker who is 
obviously one of those smartest dudes, but he's gotten punked out by Doom. Here, he turns the tables. Like, there's some fun stuff. A Bruin. Also, a Bruin in the pages of Ms. Marvel number 22. A lot of things with the inventor and this crew of Kamala's friends. I don't know. I'm going to call them the Kamala Corps. Ooh. Um, not that they are them so much. They're all trying to help out in New Jersey while Kamala is M.I.A. Uh, this is written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Nico Leon, colors by Ian Herring, and lettering by Joe Caramagna. I think they snuck a Dragon Ball reference into this issue. Um, there's a moment where Kamala's friends are in the inventor's lab and they're getting ready to fight the inventor and they do this pose and it reminds me of the Ginyu Force. Ginyu Force is one of my favorite things in Dragon Ball Z. They're just so good. I've rewatched <laughs> their introduction over the summer or something yeah. like that and I was like, this is the greatest half hour of television Oh, Literally wow. ever. Whoa. Yeah. Better than the finale of MASH? <laughs> yeah. I, even better than the finale of MASH. Whoa. Yeah. It yeah. must be good. Ginyu Force is where it's at. Uh, there's a really funny moment there. Nico Leone's art is so good. I talk about it every time we have one of these issues, but there's just little touches put in here. There's a lot of like robots running around this issue and just the funny things that Nico is able to put into each panel. Panel structures are good. Facial expressions. It's dope. This book is a lot of fun, even without Kamala in it, which is a tough thing because that's what we're here for, right? Yep. We're here to see Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel be awesome. But now we've got her friends showing how great they are in the world that G. Willow Wilson is built and finally it includes captain marvel coming back in a big way we'll see what that mm. means next issue very awesome next up is old man hawkeye number two it's written by ethan Sachs, art by marco Caquetto, colors by andres mosa letters by joe caramagna we actually recently had ethan Sachs in the office and ryan spoke to him you know what I think that's going to be on this week's episode of This Week in Marvel. Oh, yeah. Synergy. It was so great to speak with him. He's got so much passion, so much energy about this stuff. And we're actually planning some really, really exciting things with Ethan from Marvel.com. In the rollout of each new issue of Old Man Hawkeye, which is 12 issues that will be coming out for the next year or so, which is so exciting, we're going to have Ethan do a kind of creator commentary on each issue where he highlights little moments, little Easter eggs and things that he's put into different panels and pages and where he was inspired, what he was in conversation with Andres about the art. We are going to have the first creator commentary up this week. That'll be right there for you. Go check it out if you're looking for that extra insight into the first issue. And then we'll have the second creator commentary coming very soon thereafter to talk about this issue. I will say one thing that was so awesome to hear Ethan talk about this issue number two. He said, the opening few pages, which is a really tense, really, really awesome scene. It ends with a great splash page where some stuff has gone down. But he said he wanted to recreate the feeling of the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards. Mm. The, the tension there as Hans Landa comes to the farmhouse. And there's a conversation happening on a surface level, but there's something else happening uh, underneath, quite literally, in that uh, film, but here there is a similar dynamic going on, and it's dark, it's crazy, it's epic in the best ways, and it's just it kicks this issue off in such an awesome way. And the series as a whole is just so good, so exciting as we continue the journey of the future old man Hawkeye. Yeah, there's also a really just wonderful, but just terrible, horrifying, disturbing two page splash of you know this mega battle where Hawkeye was the only hero survivor oh, yeah. and he was left as like yeah whatever you mean nothing yeah. it left there and the colors on that uh, there's just this red hue on it oh, 
beautiful and disturbing stuff. Uh, really, really great job there. All right, on to Old Man Logan, number 35, written by Ed Brisson, art by Ibram Roberson, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by Corey Petit. It's just a tremendous end to the arc. Ed and the team, they fully nail the Logan who's seen and done and dealt with pretty much everything here. Mm-hmm. He's got that his world weariness, his willingness to sacrifice and fight for those he loves. I mean, he's he fought the Gorgon in order to, you know, to stop this nearly unstoppable dude because Mariko's back and he's like putting his life on the line and even when he's about to be killed and Gorgon's like tells the Scarlet Samurai move no further don't do anything else and he's like don't listen to him he can kill me but you gotta mm-hmm. go and she's like ah awesome furious stuff uh, you get a lot of his gruffness in here but the primo stuff in this issue for me is all about Mariko yeah. the dialogue is just really tremendous my favorite line of the week actually comes from Mariko in this issue and it is quote but just because one sees a storm approaching does not mean they can stop it. As she's fighting the Gorgon, the Gorgon's like, I can see everything you're going to do. And she's like, it doesn't matter. You can see it. You can't stop me. Mm. And she's so awesome. She has been brought back from the dead. She has a new lease on life. I want more Mariko. I want a Scarlet Samurai story springing out of this. I wish we would get some of that, but it's tremendous stuff. The Punisher, number 221, is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Gio Villanova, colors by Lee Lowridge, letters by Corey Petit. This issue continues the War Machine storyline. It's peanut butter and jelly, Frank Castle and the War Machine armor. The tone of the issue kind of changed throughout for me. It started out as this really cool kind of almost like Western story, but... As we get towards the end, that kind of cool Western vibe kind of turns into this something really urgent and worrisome for Frank as things get ramped up super quickly and he has to respond. He has his plan, but there's a counterattack on him and there are bigger plans in the works. Frank needs to act fast and decide what he's going to do. I really loved looking back as a whole how this issue changed and turned and and kind of had these interesting twists and moved in the storyline, but also tonally and, you know, mixed in with all of that is just, of course, the great imagination, the dark, twisted, sick, murderous imagination of Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah, Matt's got really good with inventive kills. Yes. (laughs) And in this issue has one of my favorites from the run is... There's a a dude who's fishing Mm -hmm. on a frozen lake and Punisher just swims up from below, pulls the guy down. We just see like the silence and the emptiness of the aftermath. (laughs) That's so good. Crushing. Good job, Matty. All right. Next up is Star Wars Darth Vader number 11, written by Charles Soule, pencils by Giuseppe Camacoli, inks by Daniel Orlandini, colors by David Curiel, and letters by Joe Caramagna. In this series, we got to see the Inquisitors, right? These, mm-hmm. these were they established beforehand, or yes. is it, they yeah. were? Yeah. All right. So I, I'm glad you're here, Todd. <laughs> but we've gotten to see more about these Inquisitors. They're essentially these fallen Jedi who aren't Sith, but they serve the Emperor mm-hmm. uh, and the Empire. I really dig them. They're rich fodder for for doing neat things. And the one in the spotlight here is called Ninth Sister. She's super cool. A big scraggly faced Inquisitor, and her sort of gift is having really 
great powers of empathy. She uh, mm. she understands how people are feeling, what they're doing, and it's ramped up as she's become more attuned to the dark side. She's also a sass machine and not too keen <laughs> on Darth Vader because Vader took her eye out. She's yeah. neat. I want more of her. We'll see. But ultimately, in this issue, Vader's got to deal with double crosses and ambushes. It seems like things that would make a warrior more formidable. Hmm. <laughs> How about that? Huh. Uh, I, I love the Inquisitors because they're like underlings to the Emperor, but they're not quite on the level of Vader, but they're also super dark and powerful. There's this great palace intrigue that they bring to it where they all kind of hate each other, but they're technically on the same team, but they also all want to like get closer to the Emperor at the same time. There's so many cool relationships that emerge from that. More from Charles Sewell uh, is uh, Star Wars Poe Dameron, art by Angel Anzueta, colors by Arif Prianto, letters by Joe Carmagna. We are continuing to inch closer and closer to the events of The Force Awakens. We're getting so much rich background to that opening scene of The Force Awakens between Lor Santeca and Poe Dameron, where it seemed at the time that they were just meeting up for the first time, where Poe just popped in to this little village to get this crucial piece of information. But no, there is so much going on that led to that moment. The villain in this story, Terex, is so fun. He's so dastardly and dark and He's a like scummy womper at he, is what he is yeah he he, he is and uh i love all the leia stuff in here we're really getting a greater and greater and greater sense of her as general leia and terex does some unexpected things for a, an officer i guess yeah uh but that's what makes him so cool and, and that's what makes this this series so one cool. of the things that got me this issue was uh leia had a ship and on the ship she had dresses from her birth mother mm -hmm. padme and that stuff gets stolen and the dressers were housing like a tracking system or whatever, mm -hmm. but the dressers are lost. That really like hit me. It was like yeah. all she has from this woman. She didn't really know, but yeah. she has a connection to obviously and it's gone. Yeah. yeah it was, it's rough. Yeah. All right. On to Star Wars Throne number one written by Jody Hauser, art by Luke Ross, colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And this is based on the novel by Timothy Zahn. I'm going to say this right now. I had no idea what this Thrawn dude was all about. Yeah. I knew that he was important, that there were stories about him, and that he was blue. Uh, <laughs> but I came in not having read the books, not having read any of the mythology about him, totally fresh-faced, and this is one of my picks of the week. It is so good. I am fully on board. He's dark, brooding, sexy, dangerous, cool, determined cat, and... Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more on This Week in Marvel. This issue is fantastic. He gets to be a big deal. Yeah. And here he's just, you know, long hair and he's like, what's up, guy? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's great. There's a great interview that is up right now with Jody Hauser on Marvel.com that talks about her process in translating the novel into the comic. She also worked on the adaptation for Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and putting that into comic form, which was so great. My last book is The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 29. It is written by Ryan North, art by Erica Henderson, colors by Rico Renzi, letters by Travis Lanham. There's a really funny opening page here that is appropriately, as we just previewed three Star Wars comics, is kind of inspired by the opening crawl that recounts where Squirrel Girl is. Basically, she's in the middle of this storyline called The Forbidden Planet. Planet. It's Cosmic Squirrel Girl. It's so fun. There are so many great cosmic Marvel characters that are brought into the fold here. I think uh, it's really, though, it's Ryan North having 
too much fun with Loki. Oh, yeah. He's just out of control. We actually see a Thor that is a horse, not Beta Ray Bill, because we do see Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. But there's an actual horse version of horse. Thor that is created here, Hockey Hoof Hank, and it's just bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's so much insane stuff here. The Silver Surfer has a big part to play in this story. If you love the lunacy and just just wallowing in the fun and craziness of Squirrel Girl and the denseness of these books, which is one of the best parts, then this is all for you. Yeah. All right, we've got Weapon X number 14, written by Greg Pak, art by Ildare Sinar, colors by Frank D'Armada, letters by Joe Caramagna, and... The team pops some reds, like straight yeah. up. They go full on nuke version in here. They they need it to fight nuke and his nuke bros. Uh, nuke bros. Nuke bros. It's just it's on mid battle. There's some primo smooching in a yes. big old splash page. It's great. The reds they take you up. They make you all fired up. They get you going. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> I guess we've never seen nuke have anyone he wants to smooch. So right. you, but here we've got people on the weapon X team who are into some smooching and. I love the choreography of the action in here. You know, we haven't had a book go to the bone zone in a while. Yeah, it's and true. And maybe we're getting there. Maybe. Time will tell. Yes, it will. Yes. Uh, this series really tells me that Greg loves writing Sabretooth. Yeah. I think most of all, though, yeah. uh, he's having a ton of fun. He has Sabretooth catch a missile in midair. It's so great. I love this book. It's been tremendous run. This arc has been my favorite so far. It's a lot of fun. Final new issue of the week is X-Men Blue, number 21. Uh, this is a, starts off with a big old space bar brawl, and Cyclops gets symbiote skewered. Poor little Psych. Uh, <laughs> it's written by Colin Bunn, art by Jacopo Camagni, colors by Matt Mila, letters by Joe Caramagna. There's a really gross dismemberment in yep. this issue. Colin loves writing scenes of gore and violence and horror, and kudos to Jacopo for pulling it off here. You're here for the ex-kids with symbiotes? You best believe it, because that's what you're going to get in the next part of the Poison X storyline. So cool. Yeah. Collections on sale this week include Black Panther, World of Wakanda, Color Your Own X-Men, The New Mutants, Daredevil Epic Collection, Mike Murdoch Must Die, Marvel's Black Panther, The Art of the Movie, Slipcase and Hardcover, and New Mutants by Zeb Wells, The Complete Collection. On the Marvel app this week, uh, obviously the new comics and some classic stuff filling in. We've got Classic X-Men issues 8, 12, 14 through 25, and 43. Now, Classic X-Men was a mid to late 80s series that uh, reprinted older X-Men stories with new covers and new backups. These that are added to the Marvel app should just be the backups. I think a bunch of them, if not all of them, are John Bolton. And John Bolton's art, if you're not familiar with them, is tremendous. It just does... It's weird to say, but he draws people so well and, mm. and sort of scenarios. And there's some really cool stuff with Gene, with uh, various villains. And Wolf there's a great Wolverine story that I was looking through. If you dig X-Men Grand Design, I think this is going to be right up your alley. I picked Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Big in Japan. Really, really cool limited series from 2005 by Zeb Wells and Seth Fisher about the Fantastic Four in Japan. Seth was living and working in Japan as just visually mind-boggling. It's incredible. If you like really detailed sort of trippy art. This is up your alley 100%. Unfortunately, Seth passed away shortly after this, and I think this was one of the last things he worked on. This was his, like, big break book. It was beautiful, and Zeb was, you know, doing great work at the time, and uh, yeah. But it's should be treasured. It's, it's tremendous. One last pick. Obviously, this and more will be in the show notes, and 
in the news story on Marvel.com, but Girl Comics 1 through 3 is a fantastic 2010 anthology, all by women, really lovingly curated by Janine Schaefer and Sana Amanat and a number of women at Marvel, creators and editors and top to bottom. It is astounding. Really, really good. Digital collections on sale this week I wanted to pick out were Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Masterworks, classic old Fury stuff, and then New Defenders Volume 1. It's just, it's cool. I I have a fondness for the Defenders. You know, you've got Gargoyle, who's just a weird-looking dude, and Cloud, who, I'm not even going to get into Cloud. Cloud is a whole episode of itself. But check it out. All those, plenty more. You can find the list of those comics on marvel.com in the news story as well as the link for all this in the show notes okay and in marvel unlimited tons of books and like 20 30 issues added to the list of comics a bunch more marvel two-in-ones a lot of the recent issues and new generations issue phoenix and jean gray so if you've been reading resurrection definitely check that one out plus you've got more secret empire and a bunch of star wars including star wars rogue one cassian and k to so special which was a lot of fun all of that and more on marvel.com in the show notes enjoy it guys we'll be back in a couple days with this week in marvel let us know what you're digging what you're reading what you're enjoying use hashtag this week in marvel i'm ryan and i'm tucker this is marvel your universe